My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring forward a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on the programme today by Peter Charlesworth, the Chief Executive at Oxford Medical Training, the UK's leading provider of high-quality career development for doctors. Uh, Peter, very warm welcome to yourself today, and by all means, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Good morning, Scott. Um, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for uh, giving me this opportunity to share our experiences with you. Yeah, it's wonderful having you um, on the programme with us um, as well, Peter. And uh, obviously, um, I think it would be remiss of us, given your line of work, if we didn't talk about the last couple of years with the COVID-19 pandemic, because it's been a tremendous, tremendous challenge, hasn't it, for the health and social care um, industry. And obviously, for the training of doctors, that will have had a knock-on effect um, as well. So how did the COVID pandemic and the lockdown by and large affect you and your operations just to begin with? Well, it had a huge effect. Um, so during that first lockdown, um, it pretty much decimated the, the business. So um, just to give you a background, we, we provide career development training for doctors. So um, all of our training is non-clinical. Um, it's about leadership, management, communication, um, teaching, those sorts of skills that uh, doctors in training at hospital um, need but don't get immediately from um, from their work environment. Um, so uh, up until um, the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, about 90% of our business was done from meetings. So we arranged meetings in various locations around the uh, around the country, um, and doctors would come along for a day or two days, um, and we would have a you know we'd have a, a training meeting with with people physically present. Um, and of course, you know, in that first lockdown period at the beginning of 2020, all of that just completely stopped. Mm. Um, and for two or three months, we were completely unable to to run any face to face events at all. And when you're sort of faced with a situation like that, where sort of everything's changed and there's so much uncertainty, so much anxiety, how is it that you kind of managed morale in that situation amongst sort of yourself and amongst your colleagues? And also by morale, I should also say that overlaps into mental well-being as well, just because it did have an incredible effect on that, the pandemic, and it has made us more sort of acutely aware of that side of things. It did, and and I think you know mental well being is a is a, a good phrase to use because we had we had three lots of people to think about really we had uh, our own people our own team of people um, who um, although I suppose we could see it coming for uh, a few weeks um, they were in in relatively short order um, you know that their, their job completely changed they were. You know, worried about the security of their own job as well, I suppose, and they'd been thrown into working from home, which was something that they'd, they'd not done before. So we had to think about the team. Obviously, we had to think about the customers. So our customers are all doctors working in hospital, mm. um, and they were absolutely on the front line, weren't they? I mean, we didn't know at that stage how dangerous the uh, the disease was. Mm. We knew that that doctors uh, in other countries had already died from COVID. Um, so they were obviously concerned about that. They'd been reorganized into dealing with 
uh, with patients. You know, even if they, even if their colleagues weren't immediately affected, they were they were dealing with patients who were very sick and dying um, at a level that they'd not experienced before. And then, of course, we had to think about the business itself um, and and the viability of that and how we could how we could move that on. Um, so yeah, it was it was um, it was difficult. Um, but um, you know, we I think we we embraced the we embraced the challenge, um, and were able to um, were able to change things. And just thinking about sort of how trainee doctors' training was changed to that degree, and how a lot of them were sort of rerouted to that front line. Do you think there's sort of any positive in terms of their development that might have come out of that sort of experience of, say, crisis management, if we call it that? Do you think it sort of made them more resilient or do you think it's sort of essentially piled them on with an incredible amount of pressure? I think um, in terms of the way that we now are able to train doctors, then I think we're, we're, we're now at an advantage to where we were before. Mm. So... Um, Obviously, what we had to do was think about um, how, what, what sort of systems did we need to change in, in the business um, to be able to continue to train uh, to train doctors. Um, the, the immediate need, of course, was sorting out all of the people who had bookings with us. So we had hundreds of doctors who now um, couldn't come to uh, to the training that they booked. And we couldn't wait for them individually to ring us up and say, "Well, what 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 can you do? Can I can I have a refund or um, you know what what's happening?" So we had to be proactive, um, and um, we already had online training available, so distance learning online training available. So we wrote to everybody and we said, "You've booked a you've booked a course, um, so we'll give you two choices. Um, you can uh, have all of your money back um, if that's what you want, or you can." Uh, postpone your booking to some other date in the future, and we'll let you we'll let you decide when you want to book that. Um, and uh, you can take the balance of that booking against uh, some online training. Um, and actually, most of them took that that second uh, that second route. So most of them wanted the training. Um, mm. They still needed, uh, despite the pandemic and everything that, that was uh, that was happening, they still needed to to progress their training. So. Um, so most of them took that online option, and then um, we were able to reorganise them uh, for a later date. But I think the biggest thing that came out of it was was um, virtual training. So we've mm. never before done live training delivered by video. So um, you know, Zoom calls, team calls, those sorts of things. And initially, when um, when we first heard of the lockdown, I had a chat with our, our managing director, and I said, you know. What do we need to do to change these, what are very interactive um, uh, training events that we deliver in person? What do we need to do to deliver those online? And his initial reaction was, I don't think we can. <laughs> uh, and I said, well, I think we might have to, because I think this is, is going to go on for, for some time. So we um, spent some time thinking about um, how we could um, how we could do that. We have um, about 50 tutors who, who do our training for us, about two-thirds of whom are doctors themselves. Um, so those, those that were free and had time, we, we, uh, we had a chat with them and we had a play around with, uh, with Zoom and Teams and what, what the possibilities were. And we, we had some fun actually doing some new interactive, developing new interactive sessions and new ways of interacting um, over video. 
Uh, and then we came up with what we now call the virtual training room. So um, almost all of our courses are still, even now, delivered in the virtual training room. So we do offer courses that people can attend, um, and increasingly so, obviously. Um, but still, most of those courses are, are delivered in the virtual training room. And I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, we might have uh, eventually started delivering virtual training courses. Um, whether they would have been accepted by our customers is another thing. So I think, you know, the the the, the pandemic drove both sides of it. So it drove us to, to quickly innovate and develop a new way of, of delivering our training. But it also uh, served to force our customers to accept um, what we were delivering. And actually, you know, once they come along, they realize that it's, it's actually quite good. And we have repeat customers who come. Um, and have been to more than one virtual training room session, so it seems to work. But whether whether we would have had that that acceptance had it not been for the pandemic, then um, I'm not sure that that's happened. Yeah, it's a well documented truth, isn't it, that the pandemic has accelerated the uh, the digital revolution, and um, I think that is one element of it. The sort of digital developments within so many businesses and organisations that will be here to to stay in the long term. So. The pandemic, looking at it, really has changed everything, hasn't it? But it's not all for the negative. It seems to be that there are some real positives in terms of innovations and in developments that we can sort of take forward from this. So there are real lessons for the, to be learned from the pandemic, aren't there? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, as I said, it, it decimated our business initially, um, but we saw a very steep V-shaped recovery. So so because we were able to adapt, um and, and, you know, I mean, as I said, that, that extends to the team working from home. So obviously we had to make sure that they were, they were all sorted and that they had all the equipment that they needed uh, working from home. We had to change the phone system um, because previous to that, obviously, the phones rang in a, in a physical place. We were able to, um, to pass those on to sort of route those so that they would ring people's mobiles initially. Um, but uh, very quickly, obviously, it became clear that this was a, a longer-term thing. So we had to change the phone system. So now, of course, we just use virtual virtual telephones um, over the internet. Uh, so the team can work from home uh, and still do work from home um, for part of the week. Um, so we had to we had to do that, um, and then we had to think about how we how we delivered um, our training to, to our customers, which um, I've already talked about. Uh, we also saw, obviously, a, an increase in the number of people uh, taking up um, distance learning um, training as well. So I think, you know, whereas before we were, our business was limited, I suppose, in a way, as, as were the customers, because we ran, although we were running courses almost every day, um, as a doctor, you had to be free on the day that we were running a course at a place where you could conveniently get to on that day of course now with a virtual training room you, you really only have to worry about the day so um you know if you're free on that day it doesn't matter where you are we've seen a, a a big increase actually in international sales as well so obviously um the health healthcare systems in ireland are very similar to our own so we've always had a number of uh, irish customers and we did used to run occasional courses in in ireland um, but if we get a lot more people from Ireland now coming along and joining the, the virtual training room. But even even countries um, uh, such as the Middle East, um, Australia, New Zealand, 
Um, we get a lot of a lot of people on our courses from those countries as well. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You can sort of broaden your horizons that little bit and bring more people in from further afield now that that virtual training room has been established. And I think what's kind of come about from that, you know, the fact that it's come about almost out of necessity and now it's become an incredibly good solution. I guess it just shows, doesn't it, that you, you learn so much more and can innovate and develop so much more through sort of experience, can't you, through almost kind of having your hand forced by something to to develop and to adapt and to become more resilient. Yeah, I think, you know, there's always a resistance to change, isn't there? So mm. um, whenever in an organization you change things, you have to you have to convince people that there's a need to change and that, that when you have changed, even though the change itself might be a painful process, when you have changed, you'll be in a better place. And I think the pandemic really sort of made that you know very obvious we, we had to change there was no you know we didn't have any customers um for a short period of time um and um we had to work from home and we had to find a solution to deliver training to doctors that didn't involve mm. them attending a course and so um, you know that whole argument for the team about do we need to change and will we be better off when we have done that was all you know it just went without without discussion really I mean, obviously, you know, we did have to think about the team and the team, I mean, the, 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 the staff members themselves, um, uh, who we directly employ, who organize all of the, the training um, uh, and, and make sure that the, you know, the tutors are, uh, are in the right place at the right time. But, but the tutors themselves and the tutors are, are contractors rather than employees. But you know, obviously, suddenly they'd, they'd had their, their livelihood taken away if they were um, trainers who are not doctors um, and the doctors were, you know, they were properly in turmoil um, because of everything else that was, uh, that was going on. Mm. Interestingly, the, the, the doctors fell into two groups, really. They, they were, there were a group of, certainly for the tutors anyway, there were a group of them who were, who were senior consultants who suddenly found that actually their clinics were really quiet um, because they could only see emergency patients who'd been triaged and they mm. hadn't been redeployed into a COVID ward. Um, and then the younger doctors who um, who did get redeployed into into COVID wards, who were just absolutely completely busy. So, so we had some doctors who really, you know, had no time to do any training at all, and then other doctors who suddenly found that they um, they had more time than they'd ever had before. Um, and those were the ones, obviously, that were able to to help us to um, to redesign the training so that it worked through the virtual training room. But in terms of, you know, obviously in terms of team morale, we had to just make sure that everybody was okay. Um, and as well as as business, we had to think, you know, about the social side of things. So, you know, working in an office, mm. um, we share the office with another business that I own. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of socializing. There's a, there's, there's a good number of people there. We used to go out. People would go out for lunch. People would go out for drinks at the end of the night. And of course, none of that could happen. Um, so we started using... Um, uh, the same technology, the virtual training room technology that we used for the training, we started using that to have our own social get-togethers as well. So we had a we had an informal meeting once a uh, once a week during the day on a Thursday, uh, and then people could organise chats and whatever they wanted um, in in the evening. It's important, isn't it, during a time like that to sort of keep the communication channels open, keep everybody connected, and keep on top of well-being um, as well. Certainly, so. 
Um, and considering that, you know, that technology is now sort of sticking around uh, within the business and is really benefiting the business now that, you know, we're out of the acute phase of COVID and the virus may no longer be an immediate and present danger. I suppose when we think about sort of the longer term future, I guess a priority of yours is to sort of keep that technology doing what it does best and maybe continue to sort of develop it further. And um, that's going to be sort of pivotal to the future success of the uh, the business in the longer run as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're constantly developing the course content. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the way that we can interact over these sort of video platforms um, changes as those as the tech, the technology within those video platforms evolves so uh, you know when new features are uh, are introduced we can have a look at how we might use those new features i think what we're focusing on at the moment is um is redesigning our our, our software systems that we mm. use so so obviously we built our website and and the whole uh the whole system that we use for controlling um the courses we built it with the premise that uh, courses happened on a day in a location uh, at a particular time. Um, and that's not quite what happens now. So that, that, that there is no location anymore uh, for a lot of the courses that are in the virtual training room. And because the virtual training room is, is in smaller groups, we always we always did small group training. So the, the largest course that we, uh, that we run um, physically in person is 18 people. But 18 people on a video screen is a bit too many. So, so the largest virtual training room course that we run is just nine. Um, so obviously we've had to run more courses. So, um, you know, before if we had two courses, two of the same courses running on the same day, um, it was obvious which was which because we might have one in London and one in Birmingham, for example. Of course, now we we, we might have two, but they're they're virtual training room events, so they're, they're difficult to distinguish and. It kind of looks a bit funny when people are booking, um, so we've got some workarounds for that. But they're but they're manual workarounds, and then we have other manual workarounds for sending people the uh, the, the login details and everything. Um, so we're just on with a project at the moment to to redo those systems and to really look at um, you know what can be automated. So um, you know, sending out the the invitations can be automated understand the, the system understanding when courses are full and then replacing it with another course that that can be automated um and of course you know that not only saves um saves us time um but it also uh, reduces mistakes so you know mm. when you have manual processes if you forget to do it or you mistype something you know then that introduces mistakes which don't usually have a big impact but sometimes can so um, just to just we're, we're really just trying now to now that the the, the immediate pandemic and um, you know the immediate uh, the, that, that immediate big change is over we're just looking at what else do we need to do to our systems to just streamline everything to, to, to meet that that shifted requirement really yeah developing for an ever-changing world isn't it um, I suppose uh, so um, if we were to say, yeah, Peter, um, if we look at the next uh, 12 months, just before we wrap things up, um, say in this sort of first year after the pandemic, uh, what are you sort of really hoping to achieve in pursuit of that kind of longer term ambition? Where do you see yourselves 12 months from now? So, I, I mean, this is a business that's been growing for a long time. Um, I think, we, you know, we've seen uh, between 5 and 10% growth year on year. Um, 
soon as I took over the business in, in 2011. Mm. Um, and so I'd like to, I'd like to see that growth continuing. Obviously it's really what we've seen over the last two years is a really odd pattern. Previously we were, we were able, you know, we had a, we had a, a, a shape to our, our income graph. So if we looked at our income graph on a weekly basis, um, it had a similar shape um, every year. Uh, and so we could predict demand properly um, and we could respond to that demand. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the pandemic hit. We had a period where um, we had no income at all. Um, then it recovered. Then it went even much higher because I guess the people who missed out in, in the spring of 2020 all came in the autumn of 2020. Mm. And, and that hadn't even settled down last year. So again, we had, we had local lockdowns, you know, we had, uh, we still uh, had, uh, doctors still had issues with COVID waves of COVID. Um, hospitals still have capacity issues now, not, not particularly with COVID patients anymore, but obviously all of the, the, um, the backlog that they have now, um, in their clinics from the pandemic. Um, so we haven't seen that, that settle down yet. And it's very difficult to know where, where the balance is going to be. And as we start to offer more, um, physical courses, um, we don't know where the balance will, will, will sit. So how many people will want to go back to in-person courses and how many will want to continue with virtual training. And so we, at, at the moment, we're, we're finding our way with that, and, and, and so predicting demand is is a little bit difficult for them. Mm. And that's something that I'd hope that we can we can get on top of in the next twelve months. Um, and then I mentioned um, that um, you know we we got more uh, overseas doctors um, mm. through the virtual training room, uh, and I think that's something that we're looking to develop as well. Uh, perhaps offering uh, courses in local currency. Um, to to the bigger markets that we see doctors coming from. Mm. So it's changing times, isn't it? But very very exciting by the uh, the sounds of it, Peter. And I do wish you all the luck in the world in sort of executing all of that to the best possible effects. And I think as we start to kind of see, you know, the misclearing and we start to see the development of all of this, I'd really love the opportunity to catch up with you about these things and just sort of see how the business is getting on. Maybe invite you back onto the show to uh, to talk about that. It's all very very exciting stuff. It seems. Sure, I'd love to. I mean, thanks for the opportunity to to share this time. But yeah, if you want to uh, come back in 12 or 18 months and see how we're getting on, I'd, I'd love to have a chat with you again. Absolutely. I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the programme, uh, Peter, and I'm sure the uh, the listeners also share that sentiment as well. And uh, by all means, do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on in the world too. Thank you. It was an immense pleasure welcoming Peter Charlesworth from Oxford Medical Training onto today's programme. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. And um, also, if you are listening into this podcast and you do run your own business or your own organisation, which you feel has its own story of innovation and success to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So by all means, why not apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply yourself, because we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, to every single one of our listeners, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Do take care and goodbye.